Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. I'm Bob Wankel. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. And we are getting set for a big weekend against the Boston Red Sox at Citizens Bank Park. Bryce Harper is going to play his first game in front of the home crowd since the 2022 World Series. And Anthony, everything's good, man. Like, it's all positive for the fight and fills going into this series. Good start against Houston, two out of three, went out west, really showed that they can compete with one of the better teams in the National League. They pitched well, they hit well, bullpen was great, starting pitching was great, your boy Aaron Nola looked awesome. It's all good, man. Then L.A. happened. <laughs> yeah, L.A. did happen. That that did happen. And, and the only thing that I can say good about it is that, uh, and we're recording this on a Friday morning, early Friday morning, this show would have had a very different tone had we recorded it uh, following that debacle of a game on Wednesday. Uh, the, the best thing that I can say about that series, other than Bryce Harper's return, is that at least they played the first two games late. Uh, because otherwise, I think the whole city right now would be like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it was not good. There was not, and it, we had, I had said to you just before we hit record here this morning, that other than Harper's return, there wasn't one player, not one player, who you could sit there and go, oh, they, they at least played well during that series. It was bad. It was the worst series of the season. It was worse than the opening series in Texas. Pitching was a disaster, an abject disaster, top to bottom. Um, they gave up 36 runs in three games. I mean, you cannot give up 36 runs in three games. And, and they And, I mean, other than, like, an inning in the third game, for the most part, and a, and a nice little two-out rally in the ninth, and they didn't hit. They just didn't hit. So it was like everything. It was a perfect storm of crap that just fell upon this organization in three days in Los Angeles. And when it, it and look, all they needed to do, Bob, really was win one of them. If you win one of the three games, and and let's it just in, in seriousness, because you played Houston and LA, that's a tough road trip. Okay, that, we're we're not we don't want to you know lose sight of that fact. But if you come home three and three from that road trip, you're, you're like, okay, it's fine. But you come home two and four, and under normal circumstances, you say two and four, okay, it's it's a tough tough road trip. But at this time now, it's two and four, where the three games, the last three games against the Dodgers were a total implosion. That makes it worse. The game on Wednesday sort of sticks out to me for for whatever reason. It's as bad as Monday and Tuesday night. Uh, as, as bad as both of those games were, I, I just kind of go, oh, okay. And I mean, there are certainly big time problems within each of those games, but I just say, this is going to happen. You're going to have some ugly games. You're going to string together ugly games throughout the course of a season. You're coming off of a fairly emotional series to whatever degree. And a, a series can be emotional at the end of April against the Astros. Okay, fine. 
But then here you are Wednesday, and you have a 5 nothing lead, and you have Aaron Nola on the mound again. Stop me if you've heard this before. And the Phillies can't add on. They, you know, there were so many different layers to that game on Wednesday. And I don't know about you, and I know that I kind of skew negative by nature, but you know how you've just seen a story play out before? Mm-hmm. Right around the fifth inning of that game, when it was 5-3, they're, they're sort of staving off at Los Angeles. I said to myself, they're going to lose this game. You could just sort of feel it. The bats started to kind of get thrown away. They weren't threatening. They weren't adding on. Aaron Nola was sort of hanging on for dear life. I know he stabilized in those middle innings. I get it. But you just felt that that game was turning against them very slowly. Uh, and, And sure enough, it did. I just look at it, and again, I think that you could go into a deep dive about, you know, Aaron Nola. I know he pitched so well against the Astros. I would again tell you, though, that it's tough to throw 91 miles an hour and live middle, which he kind of did at times on Wednesday. I know he didn't do that, you know, last Friday. Um, talk about the bullpen issues. Craig Kimbrell again. You know, you really thought he was sort of turning the corner for a couple weeks. The lineup, just the inability for this lineup to come through with big hits, even early on when they were scoring, they had an opportunity to, to just lay down eight, nine, ten runs right off the bat. They couldn't do it. There, there were some serious problems in, in that game on Wednesday, and and the least of which you start to look at third base and go, Edmundo Sosa, for as good as he's been from an offensive standpoint through a, a month plus, he has not played a very good third base this season. And, man, he made a bad play at a bad time in that one. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. There's so much to unpack, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself. Like. <laughs> I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I actually kind of thought I turned the page on this series, and now that we're working through it again, I'm getting all yeah, getting frothy, yeah. You're getting frothy. Yeah, it's, I'm getting all... it's good. It's good. I like. I'm it. only two steps into the coffee. This it's morning, early. Too. It's early in the morning, and you're getting you're getting fired up. The, I like it. I haven't consumed the full coffee yet. I'm getting a little. You know, it's good. No, a little spicy here. I, you know, I'll start backwards. Let's start with that error by Sosa, which well, it wasn't an error. It was an error. It wasn't an it was error. An error. It, was, it should yeah. be an error. It blows me away that Major League Baseball ah. scorekeepers are not calling these things errors. Uh, you know how I feel about your, like, old man on, you know, yells a cloud thing, which, you know, I think that you have sometimes, but I am fully with you. I have no idea what the scorekeepers are doing this year. That's an error every day of the week and twice on yeah. Sunday, man. But I'll tell you what, it's it's gotten so concerning with him at third base that people are now pining for Alec Bohm to play third base. I mean, think about that. I was watching the post-game show, and Ruben Amaro and Ricky Batalico were like, oh, they got to put Alec Bohm back at third base, maybe in the ninth inning. It's okay to have Sosa there to start the game, but if you have a lead, maybe you put Cody Clemens at first and 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 Bohm at third, and I'm sitting there saying to myself, how far have we gone down this path that we are that we are clamoring for Bohm to be the third base defensive replacement at third and Cody Clemens at first base? I mean, think about that for a second. But yeah, that you can, cannot happen, and and you know it's unfortunate for Alvarado. It wasn't a great inning for Alvarado, but but he was getting out of it. Like he had gotten no. figured out a way to get out of it. Right, got the ground ball. Turner gets the guy at the plate, and and then he gets a line drive right at Sosa. And you sit there and go, well, hey, you know, it wasn't his best outing, but he found a way out of it, and he didn't get out of it because Edmundo Sosa couldn't catch a line drive hit right at him. It's the major leagues, man. It's the major leagues. People are going to hit the ball hard to third base, and a third baseman has to catch the ball. Plain and simple. 
uh, I was on uh, WIP last night with uh, Tom Kelly, and he asked me about Imundo Sosa, and he says, like, what's what's the deal here? And and I kind of wanted to bring it up on this show because let, let me give you a let me give you a theory, and then you tell me that it's it's insane. So he's brought here as a defense first player. He starts to kind of find his stride offensively last season. He's obviously gotten off to a pretty good start offensively this season. But again, we, we often talk about players being overexposed or, or maybe taking on a role that is bigger than what they had initially expected. And I just wonder if there's anything to be said for the idea that he was thrust into a role. It's a huge opportunity for him from a personal standpoint, from a career standpoint. He kind of goes from a, a, a an, an important role player to the guy playing third base for the Philadelphia Phillies, contender of the National League. And maybe he just is sort of not letting his natural ability take over and he's sort of thinking through things a little bit right now. And we always use the word pressing when it comes to offense. I just wonder if there's a little bit of a a pressing situation going on here defensively, which we typically don't talk about and we typically don't see with players. Yeah, I I mean, I think I think that's the case. I mean, keep in mind also when he came here, Bob, we were we were told um, how good of a defensive player he was. Now that was all built around him being a shortstop. He was a he it w- was is a very good defensive shortstop. Um, you got to see it a little bit in the game where Turner was the DH, and and Sosa got to play short. Played really well in the, on the yeah. balls that were there. Right. Um, so there's no question he's a good defensive shortstop. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if you're really good at shortstop, that you can be really good at third or really good at second. You might just be passable at those positions. And I think that that's kind of what it be- what it's become here. And it's unfortunate. I mean, he's got, what, five errors? Well, that would have been his fifth error. Um, that in such a short period of time, and, and a couple of them have been costly. And so yeah. it's it's really an issue right now. I mean, I, I just think that, look, he can sit out, go out there, and Bobby Dickerson can work with him, and he can hit him a, a ton of ground balls, and he can keep plugging away at it. You, you don't just suddenly overnight become good at fielding a position that you don't normally play. I'm just – just the way I look at it, you know, we, we've seen it – look, we, we've seen him how hard – has Dickerson worked in the past with Reese Hoskins at first base? How hard is he working with Bryce Harper right now and trying to make Bryce Harper a first baseman? You know, they're spending a lot of time with these guys. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen overnight or even happen at all. You might just not be cut out to play that particular position. Um well, for, for better or for worse, they're going to have to figure it out. He's going to have to figure it out because we can sit here and talk about Cody Clemens as a late-game defensive replacement and then trying to slot out, boom, back over to third base. But we would probably have to admit here before this happens, I could absolutely see a scenario in which Alec Boom gets shifted across back to third base late in the game. Here's a guy now that hasn't been playing there every day. We know that he's not a plus defender to begin with. You're now yanking him back and forth. I, I don't think that that's going to end with a positive result. No, it, it, I'm not certain that there is a solution here. In all honesty. And this kind of goes back to the the obvious, which is, you know, the Reese Hoskins injury has hurt this team. <laughs> it has hurt this team through through 32 games in a number of ways. You see that the, the lack of power, I know that that's picked up a little bit, but there's still a little bit of a lack of power. It's completely jumbled their bench depth. 
It's completely messed up their defensive alignments, the way that they would want to optimally do it. Um, it, it has had a lasting impact and not to state the obvious, but it, it has hurt this team. Uh, listen, my, my thing, I think after, after kind of letting that series breathe, sort of, <laughs> uh, is that this all flows through the starting pitching. And I, I have a lot of numbers here and I I'm going to share them all today and I am not going to stat everyone to death, but I think that they're relevant numbers. And my thought is that it all flows through the starting rotation. And as obvious as that may be, I, I look at the numbers and I see a 4.82 ERA from the starting rotation this season, which is 18th in all of baseball. But doesn't it bother and you that there are 12 teams worse than 4.82? Worse. You know, what does what looks worse than this? You know, how could it be worse? So, and sometimes I think, like for instance, on the flip side of that, and I guess that this sort of illustrates the point, you look at the bullpen ERA and it's even worse, right? Yeah. I mean, their bullpen ERA right now is the fourth worst in all of baseball. It's 5.59. And there was a two-week stretch where they were unhittable, 0.83 ERA from April 16th to April 30th. And they still have the fourth worst ERA in baseball, but there's a difference. And, and for me, the difference is this. The starting rotation on a game-to-game basis, if, if the name Zach Wheeler isn't up on the screen, I go, I don't feel great about this right now. At least out of that bullpen, I still find that there are three, four guys that on any given night I feel pretty good about coming in the game into a, an important spot. I know that Soto's had his, his number of blow-ups. I, I know that Dominguez has not been Sir Anthony Dominguez to this point. Alvarado's obviously been awesome. Brogdon's had some hiccups, but I still trust all of those guys. Um, Kimbrel's the one guy that I kind of, I'm, I'm just not sure about at this point, but that rotation, like, I don't feel good about any of it right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I see what you, I mean, I look, and I'll tell you that I, I even add Wheeler into it a little bit. Like I, I'm not comfortable with any starter at the moment. Um, but wouldn't you say, like, wouldn't you say that his his last three starts, he's more or less looked like Zach he's Wheeler? Looked, yeah, but he's also had a couple of blow up innings in there, no, like no differently than what Nola has done. Other than the fact that, right. other than the fact that he's had his fastball up to the level it should be at, and Nola has not. Right. I mean, and that's that's the difference between. Maybe the two. that's the difference. Maybe that's why I yeah, that, I look at that's it. Certainly, and say, okay. I mean, that's certainly the difference between the two right now is that you know Wheeler has looked like Wheeler and has had a couple of bad innings. Nola has not looked like Nola and had a couple of bad innings. And I think that that's why there's more concern with Nola than there is with Wheeler. Um, Because you're right. You can't, if you're Aaron Nola, you can't be throwing 91, 92. His his breaking stuff is still very good. And it's still, you know, there are a couple of times it hasn't been as sharp as it can be, but it's still good enough. But if you're only going to throw a fastball at 91 miles per hour, you're going to get beat. You're going to get, you're going to get hit. Um, I mean, listen, and, we talked about Wheeler's, we talked Wheeler's throwing show. 97 still, right? So, I mean, yeah. at least that's the positive on that end. And we talked with Caleb Coffin last show, and we, we sort of – it was one of the topics that we hit on. Hey, Aaron Nola, look at what he did against the Astros. And, yeah, he's not throwing as hard as he used to, but he's really starting to find himself with the pitch clock and the rhythm. And we know that he's a pitcher by trade. He's not a thrower mm-hmm. and, and, and all that stuff. And that's all fine and well. And, that, I, listen, I don't dismiss that. I think that that's – there's very much truth in that. but. You better be pinpoint like you, you better have that mix. You better hit your spots because if you don't, you're going to get beat. And 
you know, that's that's kind of the unfortunate part of this. Ninety, And I know that we're not talking about Aaron Nola as a guy that throws 96, 97, but there's a difference between 93 and 91, well, the, the, and it's real. The bigger problem is is that his secondary pitches, which are good, especially his changeup, is, his changeup is, what, 87? Well, if you're throwing 91 fastball, 87 changeup, that's not a big enough gap in my mind, right? I mean, it needs to be – you need to have more on the fastball. And, you know, I look back at that start and – look, I'm not bothered by the home run because it's not a home run anywhere else. It's a fly ball out everywhere else. I was bothered more by the hard hit balls down the line, both mm-hmm. left and right field, you know, and even, even the one to left field that, that um, uh, what's that, what's their second baseman's name? Vargas. Uh, I, I thought that one was going to be more of a home run than the one that was actually a home run. Um, so like there, there were hard hit balls. I mean, the, the triple to Taylor is, I, I can't believe that they – I got a problem with Rob Thompson because I thought that you got the, the stabilization innings out of Nola at 5-3, and it was like, okay, he did what he had to do. He had a couple of yeah, shaky pushing batters. pushing him into the seventh. But pushing him into the question. seventh was – was I mean, you he obviously was not him himself in the game. But if you take him out after six, I think that you're like, okay, we got a two-run lead. He, he got us through six. We're okay. And then he gives up a triple, and then you take him out. And of course, the run scores on the sack fly, but there's just the triple to Taylor is the one that, you know, that. that and Dick Cassianos didn't really do him any favors no, either. I mean, defense, I, defense has been a, like, an issue all over the field. You know field. what, man? Like, that's what's crazy right now. Like, I, I feel like we're, we've, we have done a good job on the show of being very structured and, and kind of like, okay, we've talked about that. Let's <laughs> yeah. move on today. I just, I feel like I'm ping ponging everywhere. Like, just a quick aside Kyle Schwarber in left field against the Dodgers this week Terrible. like I know there, I know there wasn't like the the boner play of the week or anything but there were just so many balls where I'm like he can't move oh my god he can't move he can't move right now and I know that they got away with it last year but he looks like a different player defensively in, in terms of his ability to cover ground right now than he was a year ago which by the way was not elite by any measure yeah uh there there's something off there there is uh that looks like a massive liability, and that is one thing that they're going to have to deal with now that Bryce Harper is back. Yeah, and that's and the, that's why I think that they are so pushing this Harper playing first base thing as hard as they are, because I think that they realize that they can't get away with having both of those guys in the corner outfield every game, every day, right. all nine innings. Right. I think that they realize that they have to make a be able to have the flexibility to DH those guys, and if they can't, it's going to hurt them. All right, now here we go. Ping pong back to me. Yeah. I'm not done with the pitching yet. I mean, so I, I agree with you on Nola. I, I hear you on Wheeler. That, though, still I don't think is the biggest issue here. And we did the Bailey Falter conversation. And I, at the end of the day, like, I think my, my, my book on Bailey Falter is, do I want him in the starting rotation? No. As a fifth starter, as a sixth starter, whatever you write right. like the Phillies aren't going to miss the playoffs because Bailey Falter is is has a five ERA like that, if that's why the Phillies miss the playoffs then okay the Phillies just aren't aren't good enough um Taiwan Walker uh-huh. has been has been awful and and I don't know what I'm watching that other people that have been a little bit more kind in their assessment are watching I've heard up and down some good some bad I, I, I think he's been woeful. Like, I, I feel like I, I, that's like a Ricky Patalico right there, but like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what the hell people are watching. I mean, he's, he's been abysmal. The velocity has been down at times. He's walking people at a higher rate almost 
2x the rate that he did a year ago. When he's in the zone, he's fat. He's getting pummeled. He's been non-competitive. The whole thing just reeks of like, this is not a good fit. Now, there's plenty of time for him to turn it around. I would not, I'm not going to label it bust, you know, or anything like that. But the, the injury cloud, the forearm type, the whole thing just doesn't smell right. No, not at all. Um, And I think that the reason that you had a couple people say that it's been up and down is because he did have those two back-to-back starts that were, that were, I guess what we would say were encouraging. And they were encouraging. Yeah. Um, it was one against Cincinnati, one against the White Sox. Um, yeah, two really great offenses. Yeah, I know, right? That's off. Keeping those lineups down? Woo. Yeah, but I mean, that, but, but the point was is that they were better than the others. And then yeah. he had the game against Seattle, which all, all of a sudden he had forearm tightness after a blow-up inning. Um, and then, you know, finds out that he's fine, doesn't even need an MRI, he's okay, he could stay on turn. All right, fine, great. And he goes out to L.A., and it's not like his velocity was down because his his velocity was right where it, norm, it normally up, is, yeah. right? He was just – his location was terrible. And then he's walking guys at a, an alarming rate. He's got 17 walks in 28 and a two-third in two-thirds innings so far. That's the killer. I mean, yeah, he gave up eight hits too. He gave up eight hits, gave up three home runs. He's got seven home runs hit off him in that same amount of time. It's just it's not been good overall. It really hasn't. And it's 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 certainly a concern for me right now because, I, look, I don't know how long you can go where a guy's getting touched up the way he's been getting touched up uh, by by teams. I mean, he, he's, he can't find a strike zone, giving up home runs. You shouldn't be in the rotation if that's the case. So to recap the Philly starting rotation right now, you have Aaron Nola, who you don't you don't particularly trust. You don't think he's going to kill you, but you just don't know what you're getting. You have Zach Wheeler, who you think is kind of hovering around what he he might he might be, could be what he has been, but he's not quite there. You have Tylon Walker, who's been a disaster. You have Matt Strom, who as good as he's been is is a four inning guy, five inning guy, and then you have Bailey Falter, who is five innings, four runs. Like that's, that's your starting rotation. And obviously you have Ranger Suarez who's making his way back. He's probably about two weeks away, but like, I would even caution that as good as Ranger Suarez was uh, down the stretch for the team last year. And he's a good pitcher. And and certainly that becomes instantly the Phillies third best option in this rotation, assuming that Nola and Wheeler, you know, pitch to the level that, that they can, you don't know what you're going to get there. He's behind schedule. He's yeah. coming off of an injury. He's been delayed. How deep can he get you? How effective is he going to be? Does he need three or four times through the rotation before you really see what he truly is? Now you're pushing mid-June. It, it's it's not necessarily a, a cure-all. And it kind of almost opens the door. Like, I laughed at it back in February and March, the idea of, like, Nick Nelson potentially competing for a, a rotation spot. At this point, I would say it's better than even money that Nick Nelson starts a game for the Phillies this season. Not only starts a game, I have have a feeling that he might be the guy that, that jumps in uh, jumps yeah. in ahead of falter because the one thing that we you know, we keep asking about him and coming back and it, and you know they keep talking about building him up and building him up and building him up with length and pitch count and everything else before they call they get him back up um and it's like well why are you kind of doing that you know and they're like well because you know we want to have him to be available to be a starter if need be uh if not he'll just be a long man okay fine but why are you focusing on getting him to be a starter unless you have a worry that there's something in your rotation right now that's not good enough and that's that's your next best option so to me i think that i you know i think he's replacing 
somebody as soon as he's ready um and and not necessarily just coming in here to to be the you know replace andrew vasquez because in all honesty andrew vasquez has done his job as the long man for this team like the the mop-up guy and and, you know pitching multiple innings i mean if you really look if you really break down andrew vasquez which was not somebody we thought would be you know anything for this team this year you know he's 193 era over 14 innings like he's doing what he's being asked to do and, and not no high leverage but where would the Phillies bullpen ERA be without Andrew Vasquez? Right, exactly. Some are, some are asking. Uh, you know, Bailey Falters, his, his fate in terms of his role probably hangs in the balance of what happens with Taiwan Walker. Yeah. Uh, because you, you assume that we know that Matt Strom is not long for the rotation. We, we had the team's pitching coach tell us as much uh, five days ago, six days ago, and, and Rob Thompson has articulated the same. So there's one spot, but, you know, Suarez comes back. That's probably maybe an even swap. And then Nelson comes into the picture. Is Nelson in there for Walker because he's hurt or because he blows up? Or or what happens? Or is it going to be Falter that gets the bump and Walker stabilizes? I do have one more question before we wrap this up. Um, and before I get to that question, I do want to note, you know, we, we do the, the interview with Caleb Cotham, who, again, like, much appreciated for him coming on. I thought he was great. A lot of good insight. I wish there were 10 other things that we could have gotten to. What a time for him to come on, huh? Like yeah, the heels of the Aaron Nola start, Matt Strom's rolling. The bullpen was was lights out at the point that we had talked to him for about two weeks. Fast forward six days later and like this rotation's a mess. What's up with this bullpen? the pitching is is just bottom third from top to bottom. Oh my God. Like if we were scheduling this interview today, it, it, I don't want to say it would have had a, a different tone, but it like, it would still have been, Hey, thanks a lot. And good job on some things. And we would have highlighted some positives, but there would have been a lot more negative to talk about. <laughs> had we been doing this right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. He, yeah, he, 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 his timing was, was pretty good. It was impeccable. Yeah. It was impeccable. Um, <laughs> That being said, with Taiwan Walker, to me, he's the biggest wild card in this whole thing. So my question to you is, how long do you let this go? You, you've committed to him for four years, $72 million, So I don't think that we're one more bad start away from Taiwan Walker being bumped out of the starting rotation. But we know that this team is, is, is built to win, that there is an urgency to win. So is it July 1? Is it August 1? Is it the trade deadline? Like... If if he is not injured, how long do you go with this? That's a great question, Bob. I mean, you know, he's going to throw I guess, Sunday against the Red Sox, um, and then he gets a start out in Colorado after that, um, and and then he, you know they come home for for the Cubs and 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 the Diamondbacks. I think he'll, he would start against Chicago uh, before we get to the Atlanta and the Mets series. And like, to me, that's a that's that's a that's a watermark. For, for this team. And it's a watermark for a lot of baseball teams because you know, Atlanta and the Mets surround Memorial Day. And, and Memorial Day is always a thing where you talk about where our team's at on Memorial Day. A lot of times that lets you know, you know, what the season's going to look like. Um, and, and I so to me, I, I don't necessarily know how long it goes, but but it, if, it, if I'm the person in charge, I, he gets another four starts maybe. And, and then you reassess. And not to say that you're going to, you know, get rid of him. Um, but maybe you find a way to say, all right, look, just you're going to go to the bullpen for a little bit and, and yeah. we'll figure it out. 
um, and we'll get somebody else to start for you. But so I, I think I think you got to give him, you know, again because of the contract that he's under, and and, and as long as he's healthy, I think you got to give them those few starts. But by the time you get to the that the those two series against Atlanta and New York, which everybody's been kind of looking at, is kind of like okay, finally they're going to play the teams in their the big teams in their division. I, I think you have to know what you have at that point. Um, and and make some make some decisions there. So I so I say about four more starts to to kind of get this figured out for him. I I'm with you on that. That that uh, is probably the time frame that I would be working within myself. Um, so I think that that adequately addresses the 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 PO at the moment. I, I think that we've we've gotten that all taken care of. The pitching, I think we we've kind of hit yeah, on I mean, here. The bull the bullpen. So now the my, bullpen, we didn't my really, we didn't really dive into the bullpen, Bob. Um, it, it, it was it started to show a little a little bit of leakage against the Dodgers, but maybe you sit there and say one series, that's it. Let's let's see. Maybe they rebound and and everything's okay. But yeah, you said Kimbrel's the one guy. It's like all right, let's let's hope that that was just. Uh, <laughs> a bad situation against them and, and come back and, and he's back to what he was the two weeks prior. But yeah, I think, I think, you, I think that the bullpen is okay for right now. Let's just wait and see. Um, I, I don't have a major concern there, I but I do have a concern, like you said, about starting pitching. So, but yeah, we can move, we can move ahead to the, to the lineup, which I know you want to get to as well. So there's been a lot made about the lineup construction and, you know, you and I have shared some texts back and forth, Kyle Schwarber hitting lead off, uh, both of us, I think, are very against that. Yep. It, it feels like a cop-out to me. That's about as – like, when I look at Kyle Schwarber hitting leadoff, I feel like it's a nod to a veteran player that Rob Thompson has a lot of respect for, and it's just a – it feels like a cop-out solution, and it's the wrong one. You you look at him and you say you just cannot have a guy hitting 191 in the leadoff spot. But I will say this. Like, here's some numbers to consider. As good as Bryson Stott's been, and I feel like that's the disclaimer I put on him every time we talk – Bryson Stott's last 15 games, he's hitting 218 with a 271 on base percentage. Kyle Schwarber's last 15 games, he's hitting 160 with a 300 on base percentage. So when it comes to guys getting on base, Schwarber's actually over the last two weeks getting on base at a higher clip than Bryson Stott has been. Trey Turner, we see the struggles there and what he's gone through the last couple of weeks. So any criticism of Rob Thompson's lineup construction I think is valid and fair, but I think it also has to come with an acknowledgement that there's not a perfect solution in play here right now. No, there's not. The, the only thing, and this is, you know, I wrote this and then I shared it with you and you kind of liked it, is that, it, you know, ultimately we think and we believe that with Bryce Harper now being back, that putting him behind Turner in the lineup, it's going to, you know, give get get Turner to see some better pitches than maybe he's seen so far to start the season. I mean, he had the home run out in LA. Uh, he did have a, a double that was a kind of a bloopy double, but he, you know, he, he did have a couple of hits against the Dodgers. So maybe you start to see a little bit of that kind of turning back around for him. Um, and if that's the case right now, your three best guys that you can rely on um, are, would be Turner, Harper, Castellanos, so why not go with them at the top of your lineup? One, two, three. Let a let a starting pitcher have to face your three best hitters, and and that's apologies to Brandon Marsh, who's had a really nice start, and his you know numbers are off the charts so far. But I mean, he's more of a middle to later order, uh, later in the order kind of guy. Um, why not go with that? I mean, Turner's batted leadoff before. Harper's hit second before. Castellanos has hit third before. Like the, these guys are going in. We're not asking them to do something they've never done before. 
um, and, and, and they've had success in those spots. And then at least you could get Schwarber into a place where, look, if he's hitting 180, hitting 190, whatever, but at least he's going to run into some home runs every once in a while, right? And so if that's the case, you have a better chance of there being guys on base when he does as opposed to leading off a game when if he hits a solo homer, that's great, but it's only one run. Um, I just think that it just I think that your lineup would would be better in a more traditional setting with this team because it's not a team that has so much power as it has in the past um, and, and it can't rely, you know, and you could say, well, if we're going to hit all those home runs, who does it matter where anybody hits? Well, really, no, it doesn't. But if, if you're not going to hit all those home runs, then, yeah, you have to kind of go with a little bit more of a traditional look. And I think that that's probably your best bet at this point. Also, batting turn behind Schwarber, Bob if Schwarber's on base, it takes away his his ability to run, not just steal bases, but go first to third, go, you know, score on a on a single or, or a, you know, on a double, you know, a, a bloop double. Like all of that gets taken away because he's got to chase behind a guy who can't run. So it's it's amazing. It's like the, the Phillies go out, they, they, they go out, they get Trey Turner, and it's like he has all these tools and all these things that he can do. And the whole idea was that he's going to hit leadoff. Like we're bringing him in to finally solve the leadoff problem. Yeah. And by the way, man, he with these rules, he's going to steal 50, 60 bags. And and, and they have this, all these tools with him. And it's like they've just – they're they brought him in to do certain things and they're not utilizing him the way that they had, like the way they had planned to. And it's, it's kind of weird when you consider that. And then you look at Kyle Schwarber to me, he hits fifth in this lineup. Yeah. No matter how I do the lineup, who's at the top, who it's in the bottom. I always come back to Kyle Schwarber hitting fifth. And I know that there's an argument to be made having Schwarber hit lead off. It sort of protects the bottom of the order. So if it's, you know, Sosa, or if it ends up being Bryson Stott or whoever you have hitting at the bottom of the order, you know, because Kyle Schwarber looms on that wraparound back at number one, you have to attack those guys and it kind of lets them succeed. I get that argument, but you, as you noted, I think have to build the lineup to optimize it around Bryce Harper. If he is going to be Bryce Harper, how do you get the most out of the lineup at that spot? Like, and Kyle Schwarber hitting leadoff, it just makes no sense to me. None. I, I don't get it other than we did it last year. Uh, you know, we like Kyle and we think it's the right thing to do. Like, if you want to go that way, okay. But when you look at it from a purely uh, run manufacturing, optimiz- uh, optimization of the lineup, it makes no sense. None whatsoever, at least not right now. And the other thing that I, I you know, we, we've discussed off air and – I think that you uh, are in firm agreement with is look when guys are struggling, guys are struggling, and I'm not a I'm not a believer in bench a guy to send a message if he's struggling. I I'm cool with letting a guy figure out his hitting problems in games, like get out there and figure it out. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have to stay in the position that you're in in the lineup to figure it out, right? I mean, I think that there's I think that you can move a guy down, and it worked last year if you remember actually with Schwarber. Um, he was struggling really badly going into, you know, during May and they moved him down on the lineup and then he started to hit and then June happened and he was, you know, the player of the month in baseball, um, in June because all of a sudden he figured it out and then they put him right back at the top of the lineup and he was awesome. Um, so yeah, you can have guys kind of figure it out in, in games, just not in as high leverage spots in the lineup. And I don't understand why they are reluctant to do that after a hundred and some at bats. I mean, at this point it's like, okay, this is, this is the time of year to do something like this. 
And what what have I always said about lineup construction? I, I've always said that this conversation sort of bores me. And I know that baseball people really like to dive in, and they're like, it, they love the the puzzle pieces of the lineup. And when they're it's their team, and they watch it every day, they're like, this is how I would do it. This is how it should be done. And more often than not, I would say that it doesn't truly matter over 162 games. It's more about the the each individual player. Do they produce? Do you have enough good pieces? It's not about squeezing out every last bit of, of optimization. But this lineup, I think especially, the, the conversation about the lineup is so, so key. And I keep coming back to this. We talk about runners in scoring position, how many guys the Phillies have left. And I know I noted this about a week or two ago. But forget the batting average with runners in scoring position, which, by the way, is dead middle. It's 16th overall. They're hitting 251 with runners in scoring position this year. But look at the damage that they're not doing with runners in scoring position. They have the 26th OPS in baseball with runners in scoring position this season. They have hit four home runs with runners in scoring position. There are only two teams in Major League Baseball that have hit fewer home runs with runners on second and third or second or third this season. They are not doing damage in big spots right now. And when you're not doing damage with guys on base, with runners in scoring position, that is where the optimization of a lineup becomes so, so important. And right now, I think they're giving away obvious things. They really are. They, they really are. And, and it's, it's funny, Bob, because when you look at this from the grand scheme, right, the, the overall picture through 32 games, and you, and you sit there and say, and you look at it, and the Phillies are 15 and 17, right? And you say, well, man, you know, th- this is not a, the start that we wanted. And then you, but then you look at the standings and go, okay, well, they got off to a slow start here, but so does a lot of other teams in the league. And they, they really are kind of hanging, you know, hanging in there right in the mix with, with everybody else in this, uh, in the playoff race so far, it's, it's totally fine. But then you get frustrated and say, if they would just have done a few of these things, hit with runners in scoring position, get a few more runs home. Instead of being 15 and 17, maybe you're 18 and 14. And then you're Do you you're, 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 staff? Do you blame this pitching staff more than the lineup for being 15 and 17? No, I don't. And, and I guess and, and then not only that, and, and I'll let you go in a second here. I'm sorry. That's all right. But not only that. What is this team ceiling? Like, if you're a fan right now and you're kind of annoyed at a 15 and 17 start, which I know there are so many people, and by the way, this annoys the hell out of me. Like, I tweeted the other day, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around. And people are like, oh, the sky's falling. Like, oh, you know, like, you're so ne- – I'm like, dude – Come on, man. Like you, you can be you can be critical of your team. I know that they're your heroes and they went to the World Series last year and they deserve a round of applause for that. But like it's okay to like say this isn't good enough. They need to tighten this up and they might be fine, but also that sucked. So my question to you is if you're a fan and you are a little bit agitated and you are realistic about this thing, what is the Philly ceiling right now? Like, should they have should they be 17 and 15, 19 and 13? Like, what is yeah, it? I, I, well, I mean, yeah, we, we did this exercise right at the beginning of the of the year, and we had them going 17. I, both of us had them at 17 and 12, I believe it was, through April uh, after 29 games. And then if you asked me, I would have probably said at the beginning of the year, okay, look at that Dodger series. You probably lose two out of three. So 18 and 13 is kind of where I would have had them coming in. They're 15 and 17. So they're three games behind where I thought they would be. Um, do I? Where do I put the predominance of the blame? I put the predominance of the blame 
on the fact that the lineup has not produced when it can. Even in games where, like you said, like Wednesday, yeah, they got the five runs early and then they just stopped competing at the plate. If they get tack on another run or two, it's a different ball game. Right, you only need like another run or two runs in after that second inning, and then all of a sudden it's a it's a whole new it's a whole new game and a whole different outcome, and they probably win it. Um, I think there are a lot more of those situations than there are. Oh my God, the pitching staff blew that. Um, so right. yeah, I put more on the lineup. So what's their ceiling? I, I mean, I still I still think that this there's enough here to be a team that that is second place in this division yeah, one of the top wild card teams i mean I, I think that that ceiling is still there but they man they got to start showing it they got to start showing it otherwise we're in for the same situation we were in a year ago yeah and I, I guess i didn't even mean it like what's the ceiling moving forward it's just like what have they blown what have they already cost themselves yeah, about three games so you, you said it we went through you know where did we think they were going to be at the end of april and i think you know you said 17 and 12 is that yeah. the number of games that it would have played out to be yeah and then i would have had them I would have had them two out of three as well, losing two out of three to the Dodgers. And so, yeah, like, I think they're about three, four games off the pace right now. But to your point, here's one thing that, that we do because it's almost like it's almost like the celebration of mediocrity. We went through this with the Eagles a couple of years ago in this city where the NFC East just sucked so bad that we were sort of applauding them for winning the division, even though we knew that they were a bad team. And, and it's not quite the same because we have the Atlanta Braves at the top of this division. And I don't care what anybody says. The Braves are the best team in this division, and I don't think it's particularly close. That doesn't mean that the Phillies can't beat them again in the playoffs. doesn't mean that, that they can't get hot at the end and, and, get to the world series again it doesn't mean any of that i'm not saying that but the Braves right now over 162 are going to run past the philadelphia phillies this season i'm sorry i just don't see any i i think the braves win this division by 10 plus games they're the best team they're the best team in baseball they're the best team in baseball and the phillies right now are are not (laughs) 13th to 16th best team in baseball you know yeah so but i will say this like if you're trying to like look at this from a a, a, i guess a more positive viewpoint you say well hey you know every team right now is having their struggles like let's just go through the national league standings and pick it apart and you start with the east and you say well the mets are a disaster they just got swept by the tigers good call by you by the way because i I know earlier this week you said that they were about to, to hit the skids um the marlins are spunky and have some interesting parts, but they're playing 500 ball. The Phillies are two games below the nationals. We know stink, although they've played pretty well the last week and a half or so the pirates are coming back to earth. The brewers have been terrible for the last two weeks. Now the Cubs are coming back to earth. The Reds suck. The Cardinals might be the worst team in the national league, which I'm not crying for them. And then we know that the Dodgers are going to be good. The diamondbacks have been pretty good. Padres have underachieved to this point, playing a little bit better lately. The Giants suck. The Rockies suck. So the what, the National League, other than the clear division leaders. Really, the Braves and know, Dodgers, in all honesty, other than those two Dodgers. teams. It's the Braves and Dodgers and everyone else. Yeah. So you can go through the whole league and say, oh, you know, come on, guys. Like, you're, you're taking a hard, a hard look, a critical look at the Phillies. They were missing their best player until two nights ago. Let's pump the brakes. They're getting Ranger back. We know they have some good pieces that are underperforming. And I'm with all that. I am. Like, I still see the ceiling here. Uh, if, if you said right now, Philly's in the playoffs, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. You know, but but they got to get going. And, and Bryce Harper, I kind of give him credit. Like, he just comes back and he gets on base five times in the second game. <laughs> And what does he say, though, afterwards? He goes, we can't lose. I'm paraphrasing, but if, if we're going to be the team that we want to be, 
and go where we want to go year after year, we can't lose games like this. Uh, And he's right. Like that is about as critical of a comment as I've heard a Philly make about, about his team in the last five years. Yeah. No, he's right. And and that's the thing. And and that's why I, I, I remain, you know, mostly optimistic is because when you have you're you're now gonna have an MVP caliber back in there every day, right? And and it's gonna that's gonna change things in my estimation. And it literally oh that he almost helped them pull it out, you know, with with his yeah, with his hit and the not two outs in the ninth, and then Castellanos had a great at bat with the walk, and then Stott gets the bloop single to tie the game. Um, so like, you know, but th- that was all dictated by Harper, right? I mean, Harper getting the hit to kind of say, okay, you know, we're not done yet. You know, even though we just blew this lead, it's not over. And then you saw the emotion out of it that he had when he got home, you know, scored the run and he did the, you know, we pump, you know, fist pump and, you know, out to start and everything like that's, that's contagious, man. Like that kind of stuff will, will play. And so that's why I, I still have an optimistic view overall going forward with the Phillies. But that doesn't mean I can't sit here and recognize that there are m- many issues that really need to be cleaned up, and they are issues that can be cleaned up. That's the thing, Bob. It's it's not like you look at and say, "Yeah, oh man, they 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 these things just keep happening because they're a bad team." No, these things keep happening because they're not focused on being a good team right now, and and that's yeah. those they those things need to be rectified, and and they can be, but the players have to be. You know, look. I'm certain that Rob Thompson and his staff are addressing these issues with the players. Um, it's not like they're just glossing it over and not saying anything. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you watch the very end of the game against the Dodgers, you see Paco Figueroa grabbed all three outfielders in the dugout and was talking to them right there together in the dugout. So there was obviously something that he did not like with the way they played the outfield in that game. We saw it. Castellanos was not good. Schwarber was not good. Can't imagine what he didn't like. <laughs> right? I mean, like we saw it. But the fact is, is, is it happened right there in front of you and on the television screen, and it happened in the dugout. So it is being addressed. So it's on the players yeah. to do their job now at this point, and they have to do it. If they clean up these stupid little mistakes – they'll be fine. If they don't clean them up and they continue to fester, then we're going to have a 500 baseball team. Yeah, I, I think that this team, you know, said 90 in the beginning of the season. They're a little bit off that pace. I believe that this front office will remain aggressive and try to plug holes as they move forward. I think they're committed to that, and I think that that's a big part of my projection, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of – I will say, like, I, I just think I believe in the mix, and I don't know if that's because I'm intoxicated by what we witnessed last year and, and – Maybe I still have a little bit of that in my system because this is very much a different year. Uh, but I still think with with everything that we've seen and the way that this has transpired, you're not looking at a team and saying this team sucks or this team is is going to win 77 games this year because they don't have enough talent. I think that you're more, I think you're more frustrated because you realize you know they are better than this and you kind of expect them to to rebound and, and get there again. I, I want to talk about one more thing before we get to one one more one last thing uh Alec Bohm you know I'm, I'm still so bullish on him and he got off to this great start and we're talking about 300 hitter maybe finally realizing that that 25 home run ceiling and the the last two weeks have just been especially bad for him he's hitting 164 over his last 15 no homers um 
what are you seeing there and, and how alarmed are you by his recent performance? Yeah, it's a little it's a little perplexing to me, Bob, because I think he's a guy that still has a really uh advanced approach at the plate, especially for a young player. Um and and I just think it's kind of one of those things where he gets he's gotten into a gotten into a bit of a funk, which happens in baseball, and he hasn't been able to figure his way out of it. And I think that there's a lot of frustration uh, in his at bats now. I mean, you're, you're starting to see him slam the bat a little bit when he's, you know, nosy flying out or popping out or something. And um, uh, and you can you can see him roll his eyes on a strikeout like you almost oh, like, oh, man, I should have hit that or I should have swung at that or whatever. Um, I just think that that's it's, it's a little bit of a mental game with him right now. Um, I don't think that there's anything that's real major mechanical. I don't think that he's like really late on stuff or, you know, pitch recognition's not great or anything along those. I just think it's one of those, hey, he gets a couple hits, it, it'll, you know, change the confidence level and he'll get back to being what he is. Um, I am alarmed by the fact that he's not not even putting good contact on the ball yeah. right now. That's my that's the one where I go, okay, like that needs to I I need to see hard outs and then I'll be like, okay, it'll be, it'll be better. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's the first step in the recovery here is that get a couple of hard outs first. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like he comes up to the plate at the beginning of the year. It was like, he comes up and you're expecting him to do something good. Now he's yeah. coming up and you're expecting him to not do anything good. Yeah. In a way it almost kind of reaffirms what we were just talking about where you feel like there's just, there's more upside to this whole thing. There's just so many guys in this lineup right now that, you know, have the talent have shown this season at different points that they're capable of doing it. I, I believe in him as a hitter overall. There are just so many guys going, going South, just really struggling all together right now. And, you know, you see what Bryce Harper does when he comes in, you talked about it changes the energy. He obviously lengthens the lineup. And you just wonder, they kind of get their footing with him in this lineup and do things start to turn. And that's what they're going to have to hope for. Because, you know, you look ahead at this weekend and we talked about the Boston Red Sox and, eh, you know, they're not very good. Well, you look up and all of a sudden they're playing very good baseball lately. Uh, well, they're hitting. And it, yeah, they're, they're hitting. And, and the starting pitching hasn't even been particularly good for the Red Sox. No, but they, they are they are hitting. And, and you look at the vulnerability of this Phillies pitching staff right now, and there's, I think, a little bit of a reason – to be concerned about this matchup. And then beyond that, you know what Toronto is capable of. And it feels like the Phillies just cannot, you know, dating back to my childhood, it's like they just cannot figure out the Toronto Blue Jays. So it's a tough stretch here coming up before things lighten a little bit. It, it is. It is a tough stretch, although I'm a little bit, I think maybe a little bit more confident with going into this Red Sox series. I don't think the Red Sox are as good as they've been playing. They've won six in a row, and obviously I don't think the Phillies are as bad as they're playing, having lost four in a row. So I don't see those streaks stretching you know what i'm saying like i think that the i think this is a situation where it, it really plays well for the phillies to take two out of three in this series um uh, the red sox pitching starting pitching is absolutely dreadful it just is this is an opportunity for the phillies to take advantage of some of some subpar pitching now the, the red sox have a little bit of uh uh you know the back end of their bullpen's been solid so far with Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin and uh, Winkowski. I, I think that those three guys have been pretty solid for them. Even a guy like Cutter Crawford in kind of like a you know early role if he needs to come in has been okay. But beyond that, they don't have any pitching at all. all right. And so this is this is a one this is one where if you if you get through this weekend and they're, they're still the Phillies are still aren't hitting after facing this pitching staff it's got to make you wonder a little bit about where, where they are. So I, I, I'm, I like the Phillies to take two out of three against the Sox.
Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into one last thing then uh, before we wrap it up here. Well, I wanted to go, you know, you, you mentioned earlier in the program um, where you talked about my old man at cloud takes. And I did write one um, this week I, for I Crossing Broad. And I wanted to kind of get your take on it because and I'm going to tie this into a second uh, issue that that have cropped up with a former Philly um, yesterday. So the one that I wanted to talk about first, of course, is uh, the Bryce Harper brace situation where he um, and the Phillies made an appeal to Major League Baseball to, if necessary, and that's the key, if necessary, to allow for a few extra seconds for him to put this brace on once he's on base so that he doesn't you know, risk injury. And Major League Baseball said, no, flat out. And their justification is, is we don't we don't <laughs> give individual players, you know, make rules for individual players. And then they went out and said that they consulted with all these orthopedics and uh, athletic trainers before setting these rules. And I guess my thought process is how many of those conversations were about putting an elbow brace on for a player yeah. to protect him? I guarantee zero. Zero. I guarantee that those were all talks about the, you know, the, like I said in the story, the oven mitts and the the wrist and you know the, the hand and wrist um, protectors when when guys get on base. They did not sit there and say, oh well, we're going to have a guy come back who needs to put on a big elbow brace and we need he may need an extra ten seconds. So I have a real problem with this, and it extends even further. And this is the second part of the story that I want to get to um, with yesterday Zach Eflin. Is pitching for the Tampa Bay Rays, and the umpires made him take his wedding ring off on his glove hand. No real explanation. They told the guy he's got to take his wedding ring off. I mean, what are what have we gotten to in baseball where you can't protect your your best players or any player for that matter who want to just put a, a piece of equipment on that a doctor is telling him he needs to wear? Do we care about player safety or do we care about pulling our average time of game down all the way? And then secondarily, telling guys they have to take their wedding rings off. It just It's outrageous to me what baseball is concerned about and not concerned about. And it, it's I, I just the, the sport continues to aggravate me more, Bob, on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't really have any additional uh, thoughts on the Eflin situation other than that when I saw it, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, well, that's ridiculous. But, I mean, Harper – I mean, I, I think that there's so many different layers to it. One, it's just a – this is not a one-size-fits-all situation. And in the case of a guy uh, uh, putting on a an elbow protector just within the normal context of, of an at-bat, like, hey, the, the, the traditional gear – there doesn't need to be a special exemption made, but when you're talking about the, the injury that Bryce Harper's coming off of and the actual piece of equipment that he's wearing, it's, it's different. And so there has to be special considerations and it's not, Oh, well, Hey, we got to give Bryce Harper because he's a big name player, special consideration. No. It's the situation. It's the injury. It's, the, it's the piece of equipment that he's using that deserves the special consideration. And, but it, at a larger level and just on a surface level, it's amazing to me that major league baseball is more interested in getting that 12 seconds uh, out of the game than it is protecting one of its biggest stars who is must watch television it helps ratings that helps grow the game helps market the game exactly. major league baseball is better with Bryce Harper on the field so it, it is is baffling to me that that's the approach that they take and 
um, you know, you wonder to what degree does the players union get involved and say like, yo guys, what the, what the hell are we doing here? You know, and shame on the players union. If they were in console, if they were in those conversations with major league baseball and orthopedists, when they were going through these procedures, because if they green lighted that and said, okay, yeah, we're cool with it, then that, that's no good. I, I cannot imagine that that was the case though. No, I don't. I, I almost certain that that was not the case. And it's it's crazy, you know, and I put a tweet in that story that somebody had put out. I wish I would. I wish I had thought of it that, you know, Major League Baseball has no problem with all these fake pitch com issues Mm -hmm. for pitchers to you know figure out a way to delay the game because they can't stop it any other way. Okay, no problem. Let's let we'll let those slide. But heaven forbid we protect a player on base. This is not even an advantage for the for an at bat. You know, if yeah. anything, if nothing else, Bob, this is probably an advantage for the opposing pitcher because he yeah, just because, he just because Bryce Harper's on base and you're yeah. trying to buck momentum. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, this, if anything, it helps the other team. So, like, it just blows me away that they don't that they are so, so worried about the time and not worried about the sport. But you know what it is? It's they are. The, the time of games, the average length of games is the thing that they are so proud of. They are so proud to say, we're down 27 minutes a game. Look at what we've done to the game. The speed up has helped. The, and you know the players, they don't they don't love it. Most of them don't love it or at least don't love it across the board. They have certain issues with certain rules, and it varies from guy to guy, team to team. But Major League Baseball is going to put that up on the mantle and say, two hours, 30 minutes, look at us. And, and they do not want anything that is going to interfere or inflate that number. And it's it's clear as day that that is what they are are fixated on. Uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, that's going to be their ultimate downfall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah, it's going to be their insane. ultimate downfall. So I'm, I'm with you. I am with you on that. Well, listen, we turn the page here. Uh, tough week for the Phillies. Uh, no question about it. Very, very different tone today's show than than we had last Monday. And that's good because that means that our next show, it'll all be good again. And and (laughs) everyone will be happy, right? Isn't that how it works? Absolutely. What are you guys all worked up about on Friday? See, it's all good. They swept the Red Sox. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens here. But um, thank you, uh, as always, for listening. You can find us on YouTube. If you, uh, you know, uh, don't watch us, you, you can watch our this, this beautiful show, my background changes because my Wi-Fi in my office is horrendous. So <laughs> I was, was going to leave it as an Easter egg and we say if people see if people noticed that we switched sides on the screen and that you ended up in a different location halfway yeah, through the show. Yeah. So, yeah, you can check us out on YouTube if you haven't, but uh, also Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows, you can, you can listen to us there. So uh, thanks for uh, tuning in and we will talk to everybody on Monday.